Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Pod 67. My name is Ryan Gallagher. We've got a full lineup this week. Uh, first up, Scott Sutherland. How you doing? I'm good, mate. Good to be here. And Tony Doyle, he's back. He missed last week. How you doing, mate? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I avoided last week because I'd have made an arse myself, but back to the glory hunter. Uh, uh, you kind of shouted last week, didn't you, after that Aberdeen performance? Pretty much just poised at the pram, chucked it. <laughs> well, I was in Scott, mate. It was our best performance show that we've had. That's two. That's two in a row, mate, that you've not been on that we've had best performance shows. I'd like to just thank everyone in the Loudoun Tavern for streaming it. <laughs> really appreciate it, guys, but I'm going to fuck off. Do you know, see the amount of messages I've had for, for Rangers fans in the past week going, when's the podcast date? I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> They're just going to come on and I tell us, and I was greeting. And do you know what, Scott? We gave them it, didn't we? Aye, we certainly did, mate. <laughs> we, we don't hold back in these podcasts. We always we always give a lot of truth bombs and uh, we're giving some more later on. Exactly. And that's the thing. After that game, it was quite reactionary as well. So it was just pretty much straight from the cuff, ranting from what I heard in the podcast. We just used to go in hell for leather. Aye, I must admit, Scott, I, I kind of feel that we should have waited maybe 24 hours <laughs> before the last podcast. We were a wee bit, um, wee bit ranty, as Tony says. Aye, halfway through it, I forgot we were actually recording a podcast. I thought I was just talking to you. <laughs> uh, right, before we kick on with today's show, usual bit of housekeeping, get us on Twitter. We're at pod underscore 1967. Um, good bit of interaction this week. We've got a few followers as well, so thank you very much to anybody who's listening to us after following us on Twitter. Um, join in the conversation, as I always say. We've got a few polls that we put up as well. Um, we'll get on to them later on as well. So, two games to cover then, boys. So, we'll start with Thursday night. We'll start with Leo. We were away to Leo. Um, it's a game we were terrified of when the draw was made. It was probably the one we were more scared of, even ahead of Giants, AC Milan. Um Scott Bain kept his place from the weekend, so it was Bain and goals Frimpong, Ayer, Duffy, Laxalt, uh, Brown and McGregor just in front, Christie and Cham and Moy across the midfield three, and Ayeti up top his cell. So back to the 4 2 3 1 um, that we had for a good while, Tony. Was this something you were you were happy to see coming back for that game? Well, the last episode I was on before the Leo game, I did call for Bain to come into the team. And um, if it wasn't for Laxalt, I thought Bain was probably my man in the match. Penalty save, crucial before getting to half-time. And honestly, I felt really sorry for him for that first goal. He got basically an armpit to the fucking boy. I just had to win a net. But to be honest, I think it was a brilliant performance in the first half. Shame for the second half. Um, we can't see a bit dip in form and I went off the pitch. We'll get to that when we actually discuss the game properly. But I think overall, I was quite happy with the performance. Scott, what about you? Um, 4 2 three, one I know we've we done a podcast uh, maybe four or five weeks ago and it was called Give Us a Three Five Two. Actually, delete that one for me, please. <laughs> I, I might, I might delete it. Four two three one. You happy to see that coming back? Aye, I think so. I think we need to we need now to try and get a settled system. I think we'd obviously call for three five two, but I think the problem was we were trying to fit players into that formation when we don't actually have really have the players at this moment in time. We play that formation. It doesn't suit Rogic. It doesn't suit Christie. Uh, it certainly doesn't suit Moya El Yunusi and he really came into his own in this game as well on Scott Bain uh, he's, he's come in he's obviously saved the penalty which I couldn't believe because I thought he was getting lessons for, for Craig Gordon the week before in terms of the Aberdeen when he didn't even bother diving uh, I think he fumbles one as well which he kind of gets away with and one hits the bar uh, I disagree with Tony I think the first one he should save I'm trying not to be too harsh on Bain because Barca he's not covered the sound glory either 
I think that's a position that we are currently lacking in. Uh, I think Bain seems to get better just being in the reserves. He's looked okay, didn't have much to do. We'll come on and talk about the Aberdeen game of the day. But I still think it's a position that we're lacking in and I'm not exactly confident in Bain going forward. And I think he might throw in a mistake in the next couple of weeks. Ben, do you change back to Barkas? I think Neil Lennon has now sent a message down. He's dropped Barkas, it seems now. Even though he did get an injury, it seems as if he's been dropped. So now is it, as soon as Bain makes mistakes, he's going to drop him. I mean, I think... We don't really know who our number one is at the moment, so that's maybe a wee bit of a concern. Well, I think you just need to do it on form, though, because obviously Barkas has been in the team for a while now, and he's never really stood out as making big saves or crucial saves at crucial times of the game. Um, Bain, for me, for the first goal against Leo, I thought he was really unlucky. It's an, the ball's played over the top in a knock-through, and the boy's hit the dig for like three yards out, and he's almost got to it in the end. It's just one of those ones for the keeper. He's done everything right. He's trying to make himself big, but... The boys just got it under them. It's no fair. But um, I think I've been quite harsh on Benny the Scott. I don't think Barcast is that good. I think he's fucking shite, to be honest with you. Before we see, before we crack on with that, though, we need to deal with the first half performance because um, we were in the, the. I missed the start of the game and I, I came back to a message for Scott saying, so early, can it? Um, and I had to ask him, you know, how we had, we'd been playing up until that point. I thought the first half, boys, we played. We played really, really well. And this coming for the Aberdeen game, where we seemed to kind of lack something against Aberdeen. It was, although, it's going to sound really weird saying it, although we scored three goals, we still seemed to lack a kind of killer instinct in that game and how to kind of finish off teams and how to play the way that we've played for years. You know, Celtic, for the last few years, have been playing some outstanding football. Um, even though we got three goals, like I say, it didn't seem like we had that performance there. This game, first half, um, we'll talk about the goals. So, the first one from El Yunusi, absolutely tremendous finish, Scott, wasn't it? Uh, it was brilliant. Uh, I kind of called El Yunusi out last week, so I haven't really spoke a lot about him, but it hasn't happened for him uh, this season. But uh, that's obviously the last three games. Three games, or the AC Milan game, he's got a goal. Uh, scores two against Lille. The first one's like an it's absolutely brilliant finish. Takes it really well. I think playing a team like Lille actually suited us, to be honest. Because it wasn't a, like a back of ten players just behind the ball, they were quite come out and quite open. I think we are quite good in the t- counter attacks, so that's potential for us going forward for the rest of this group in Europe. I, the first goal, uh, also a big shout out to Ayeti for the way he sets up as well. Uh, could have heard Chris Sutton in his ear the whole game as well, slagging him off. I don't know if Lee Griffiths' agent or something put him up to that. Chris Sutton had decided 30 seconds into the game that he was going to spend that, that whole match basically slagging Ayeti, but I thought he did really well for the goal as well, one back. and. It was a brilliant finish. It was one of those when he hit it, he didn't even realise that it was in until you like you see it, and you, mm-hmm. it kind of looks as if it's going wide. But I, such a great finish and a perfect start for us. Tony on on a yeti. Um, he's been people have been quite critical of him uh, recently, saying he's been kind of unfit. He, he doesn't look up to pace. Um, I thought he had a really really good first half in this one, and like Scott said, there his involvement in the goal was it was brilliant for him, wasn't it? Definitely. Also, he got that wee knock uh, during the season there, and even to himself, that's probably held his progress back a wee bit. Um, before that, he was scoring goals weekly for us, big goals, crucial goals, and then that performance against Lee, I thought was outstanding. He'd done exactly what he had to do, holding the ball up well, and for Elmish's goal, it was superb. It was Edward-esque that we flicked through. It, to- it totally tore the Lee defence apart, and he gave them a problem all night. They couldn't handle it. I also liked the fact that when he got taken off that he was raging about getting taken off. I liked that about him. Even though I think he was knackered and I think it was the right time to make the sub. 
to bring Edward on and get Edward uh, some minutes in the legs. Uh, I kind of liked that, how annoyed he was to get taken off. And he was annoyed before in the AC Milan game. We just made it 2-1 and he gets subbed off. So I kind of like that. It really shows how much he, he kind of cares and values the jersey. So that was another positive. Soon after as well, then we go we go two 0 up. The the lovely wee guy doing the right hand side. Um, we've been critical of Frimpong in the kind of past few weeks, Tony, about his his final ball. You know, we know that he's great at skinning a guy. He can get up and down the wing. He's got a decent engine, but his final ball was really lacking. He picked out Elginasi for this one quite well, didn't he? Mate, I can't remember the goal. <laughs> can't remember the goal. Fuck it, I saw it then. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit illness is first, but I can't remember the build-up. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, he was involved again, and then the ball went wide, and I thought Frank Pong had a great game uh, against Leo, and I puts his head up for once, because that's a big criticism. I mean, Frank Pong did have a final ball. He, he wouldn't be at Celtic. He'd be starting right back for Man City where he was before. So that's a thing that he really needs to work on. Puts his head up, and it's a lovely controlled finish by, by El Yunusi. And at that point, you're like, you can't believe this. Like, this doesn't happen to Celtic away in Europe and we're two nothing up. So we we give away a penalty, or, or do we give away a penalty? You know, Shane Duffy is, again, we'll go on to talking about his performance later on. He was, he was quite sloppy in this one. He gave away a, a foul. Um, it was never a penalty. Um, never. It was outside the box. I don't know how it's even been a hint of being given as a penalty, but it was given anyway. Um, we spoke about it earlier on, Scott Bain. Uh, we kind of, we've seen the story being written, didn't we? As soon as we lost a penalty in Europe, we thought, here we go, 2-0 starts, we're going to do a Celtic and we're going to absolutely fucking get butchered in this game now because we've annoyed them and we're going to start off with this rubbish penalty. Scott Bain, Tony, picks out a brilliant save. Well, to be honest, I never had much confidence in him actually saving the penalty it was given. Like you're saying, I thought, here we go, 2-1, they're going to come in the first, second half and they're going to just run over the top of us. This is going to be a classic away story for us in Europe. But the fact that the referee gave that is ridiculous. Again, the officials today, last week, it's been shocking the actual decisions I've seen in the park against us now. Um, it was clearly outside the box. The linesman can fucking see it as well for 10 yards away. It's ridiculous, mate. Mm-hmm. But credit to Scott Bain. Steps up to the mark, gets a good, good leg to it, saves the ball comfortably and then still going to Half time at 2 0 up in a great position. I think, uh, obviously, I, I agree with you, it's never a penalty, it's outside the box, but Duffy's just he's quite clumsy in that point. And I think he get, the fact that he plays them onside, because he's out of sync with Ayer, he's not really developed any sort of a partnership uh, with Ayer. Looked a bit better today alongside Beaton, but there was no real sort of partnership connection with him. He's so deep, he's playing that boy onside, comes in, wipes him out. I think we get a benefit for the the guy at Leo, I think they've just paid 30 million for the guy that missed a penalty and I think he was lacking a lot of confidence, that's why they gave him the penalty and then he's obviously ended up missing it so he's not had the best start to his career but it's kind of similar, I being gambles to one side but you always kind of keep your legs out and all credit to him, it's a decent save. So we're going at, going at half time then, two and a half, we are, we're in a group chat, absolutely buzzing, thinking what the hell's happening here, like this isn't Celtic, we've been getting bulldozed for the last few weeks. Um, we come out second half, I don't know what was said at half time, Tony, but totally different team, weren't we? We just didn't have the half time tangerines, but it looks at it. Probably <laughs> there was a severe lack of energy about the pitch. I think I had gone off the park, it was kind of a downfall. As soon as that happened, you seen just chances creating popping up these space and stuff but for me Frimpong had to get taken off the second half a lot sooner than it did you can see it in that, that right hand side that we were getting exposed over and over they were doubling up on him and he was just left isolated but it's just a classic waste away for Celtic 
we get a good position and somehow we manage to see ourselves drop points when we should be getting all three. Scott, we mentioned, uh, or Tony mentioned Ayer going off there. He got a, a quite a bad groin injury, it seems to be. Um, 53rd minute, he goes off um, and he's replaced by, by Nier Beacon, who's only just returning for us. Um, do you think, you know, we know what happens after that, you know, maybe 10, 10 15 minutes later, we, we lose a goal um, for a, from a set piece and then we lose an odd goal as well. Do you think that Ayer going off had a quite a big detrimental effect on us as a team or do you think that was kind of coming anyway? I think it kind of did in one sense. I think we have been unlucky this season with a lot of injuries and that just summed, summed it up really for us when we're 2-0 up and yeah, our best centre-back has to, has to get taken off. But I do think it was coming the way we played in that second half. We kind of sat off them. I think all the positives that spoke about in the first half, it was it's the good and the bad really about Celtic at the moment. I think our in-game management is still really, really lacking when it comes to uh, Neil Lennon in that regard in terms I think the players could be a wee bit smarter in that situation when you're 2-0 up get niggly fouls see the game out run the clock down just be that wee bit smarter we were quite naive just gifting them the ball back time and time and again inviting pressure the first goal I thought Ryan Christie had a really good game but he's he's definitely at fault he switches off and I don't know but we have got quite a small team but any time that a team especially when we're playing in Europe gets a corner or a set piece against us I've got my heart in my mouth. I'm really, really fearful for us. And I ball in, Christy's sleeping in the back post and that kind of gives them uh, oxygen in the game. And then the second goal, second goal's unfortunate, takes to the deflection, but it's, but it's coming at that point. We're, we're far too deep and we're just inviting pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony, we, we've got two games to talk about here kind of in depth, so we'll, we'll quickly move on for this one. Like I say, we, we draw this one to each. For you, did this feel like the the, the Classic line, is that a point gained or two dropped for you? I think before the game, we all took the point. And a way point in Europe, so it was a great, it was a great return. But um, being in a position of 2-0, it did feel a wee bit like we... I don't know, even. it should have been three points if we could just see out the game tactically. But it just wasn't to be. They're a good team. You can't take anything away from them. They're sitting joint top of Lagoon. So I was just happy with the performance. I just, we've seen something... A wee spark, a wee bit of fight, I thought, right, there's something to take the right of Sunday against Aberdeen. That's all that matters in this game for me. I, I, I sort of agree with, with Tony there. I, I do think it was two points dropped. I mean, if you're two, if you offed it before the game, you'd probably take it, but you're two and a half at 65 minutes. You've got to be seen now. But to end the kind of on a positive for that performance, what it showed to me was the players had they, haven't, they, haven't they chucked it. There's, that was a major concern for me looking at, back at it last week's. Aberdeen and Rangers, I think they looked the positive and take this. They hadn't chucked, they haven't chucked it. They're, they're still obviously really trying. They were quite vocal because that game didn't have any crowd noise. So I was noticing how vocal the team was in the pitch, and that's a thing I think would be lacking in the game. So we're still playing. Uh, they're still playing for the manager, was the only positive I could take. And I think I think they lacked a lot of fitness, though, which I think we could come on to talk about with the Aberdeen game as well. I think that was a, it was kind of basically two 45 minutes performances we got out of both in both their games. Before we finish up then with we, this game, there's a, a notable performance that we need to give praise for. Um, our new super left-back, Diego Laxalt, he set a, a new record. Um, I didn't know this one. It was a, a Europa League record for um, kind of tackles and interceptions in this game. I think he 13 tackles, I think it was. I think it was 89% pass accuracy. You know, BT Sport put up a video um, on their, their Twitter account of 
just kind of his big moments in this game. I think it was all 13 tackles he actually put on. Um, and you just seen how comfortable he was and how secure he was at the back for us. Something we've been scheming out for um, with a left-back, Tony. Were you happy to see him in this game? His performance, honestly, was just infectious throughout the whole team. He was driving everyone on. He was running about covering every billy of grass and any, every other sort of cliche you can think of, to be honest with you. He was superb. And I think we really need to try ask the question at Milan how much for this guy because what I've seen so far he's been an absolute superstar left back do you reckon we'll be able to afford him Scott? <laughs> I don't know I, you would hope so I mean uh, he's covered everybody the grass on, on Thursday there I mean the amount of interceptions you've just talked about it there that he made he was really driving the team on he was getting his body in the way and I mean it's a massive upgrade uh, from Greg Taylor and it really looks like it gives us a bit of balance out the side because we do attack a lot down the left and before Greg Taylor, the moves were breaking down, but now we've got two uh, really marauding fullbacks are getting to the byline time and time again. Uh, I think Laxo still needs to work on his final ball for just a week, but that's that will come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a massive, massive upgrade in Taylor, as I say, and I it was he was man of the match for me. I think he was absolutely outstanding. So overall, then um, we spoke about this. Well, we were talking about it at a time watching the game. Um, I was I was quite happy with this performance, Scott. You were at the time. You weren't you weren't a critical, but you you weren't as happy as I was with this performance. Have you took some time to kind of think about it? Are you still in that camp? You know, were you still no properly, you know, kind of happy with this performance, or have you have you changed your mind now? I was happy with some aspects, as I said, the fight that the players showed they were definitely definitely having the chuck. They're still trying for Lennon. They're still trying for the manager, which is a positive. Uh, but yeah, there's still frustrations for me when it comes to this again in big games. This is where we're really properly tested and. At 65 minutes, you need to be smarter at that point. You need to try and stay the same out, the game out. Also, didn't, I didn't actually really rate Leo much at the back. I thought, I mean, I take El Yanousis had a great first half, but a couple of times in the second half, he could have pulled the trigger. And I still, it was a great, see, for a neutral, it was a great game to watch, but there's still often times when I watch this under Neil Lennon where it's like a basketball game. It's 50 50, flip the coin, your heart's in your mouth. Mm-hmm. It's maybe it's great for neutrals to watch that, and but for Celtic fans, it's not. We need to be a bit smarter, seeing games out, just try and get niggly fouls. Don't have the ball in the pitch as much of the time. It was just constantly coming back to us. Uh, we looked a wee bit unfit, I think, because we've not had a settled side, which is a problem. But yeah, take, take, I would take the positives out, out of it. It gives us a wee kind of sort of platform in the group now, and we need to try and win our next two games against Prague. So, Tony, you weren't here last week, so we've never done it in, in memory of you, but I'm going to ask you for your dud and your hero from the Leo game, if you can remember it. I know you've got short-term memory loss sometimes. Um, go with your, well, go with your dud first, mate. Who was your pick as a dud in this game? Dud for the game? Um, I don't really know, mate. I'd probably, probably need to say Shane Duffy. Um, he just seems to be caught a possession all the time. I think the way we're playing football now, we're playing a high lane and trying to get attacking and create the get the ball moving from the centre-backs forward. It just doesn't suit his play at all, like Scott was touching on earlier on. He's just a no-nonsense defender. He likes to head the ball clear, punt it up the park. He, if you ask him to ping a ball 40 yards across the pitch, he's just not going to be able to do it for you. Mm-hmm. It's not a style of football. So for me, it's got to be Shane Duffy, just purely on the basis that he gave away a free kick slash penalty and he had a few ropey moments in the game where you kind of think to yourself, right, do we just chuck on Welsh and take him off here for damage limitations? And what about your hero then? My hero's got to be more honesty. Got to be just the fact that he stood up that stage, pinged that ball, and the side net and left to keep a flat footed. That was superb. And 
it's the happiest I've felt in about six months watching Celtic these days, it feels. But um, for me, more than you say, and uh, shout out to Max out. Perfect. So we will move on then to to Sunday. So today, when we're recording Sunday, um, we are up against the Sheep again, this time at Hamden. Scottish Cup semi-final, as we all know, rearranged from, from last season. So um, technically it's our chance to go for the quadruple treble, although it, it seems like that's... I don't know, when they were talking about this before the game, in the lead up to it and saying, you know, Celtic and Celtic, I, I seem to have kind of lost that wee drive for the, the treble this year. Um, but... Listen, if we can win this game, or if we could win this game and get to another final and win another trophy, you know, it's still it's still outstanding. Um, Mate, a brilliant day. We got to the final and Tommy Robson just got arrested there. So, <laughs> fucking super. I'm loving that day. I've seen him greeting on Twitter. That was tremendous. I loved that. Um, you're breaking my arm. You're breaking my arm. <laughs> right, so the, the line-up today then. So, 4 2 3 one again. Fairly similar with Bain and goals. Frimpong, Duffy. Beaton was in for Ayer. Uh, Lacks out with left back, Brown and McGregor just in front of them. And your midfield three was Christie, El Yunusi, and Tam was back for this one. Um, and behind another returning Celt, Odson, Edward up top. Scott, I was in the, the car today listening to this when the team lines came through. Um, I think you posted them in the chat, and we've seen that Tam and Eddie were both in for this game. How buzzing were you to see the two of them together? I, I absolutely delighted. Uh... I thought Jam was okay on Thursday, especially first half, but I thought Jam faded badly uh, in the second half, and I thought Rogic should have came on a bit earlier than he did uh, on Thursday night as well. Uh, but I, I was I was happy, really happy with the team. Obviously, Tam Rogic, he's made for Hamden, he's made for playing against Aberdeen. Uh, Edward, was, I thought he was a wee bit lacklustre when he came on on Thursday, but it was good to finally see him recovered from COVID uh, back in the team, and he just gives us that different focal point up front. He links the play really well. And yeah, the three in behind them uh, are really, really exciting players for us. And yeah, it was pretty tough for the starting lineup. Tony, we'll talk more about about Rogers' performance in a wee second. Um, but we'll start with we'll start with Edward here because this is the first game that we have probably seen him kind of been able to go all guns blazing since you know he's had COVID. The windows shut. You know, people were talking about Edward being off form before. Um, kind of went away in international duty and got unwell. Um, we were kind of waiting to see if this would be the game that he would come back into, all guns blazing again. You know, the, Edward that we know, the one that's not going to, he can't go anywhere now. You know, he's this is him here until at least January if, if he wants to go then. So he stuck with We thought maybe that's messing with his head, having the, the links. How did you see um, Edward's performance today? Well, I'll just start off with saying basically that was a wee bit gutted for Griffiths not getting the start on Thursday or even the nod today. I thought his performance against Aberdeen last week, coming off the bench scoring that goal, I thought there's probably a good chance he'd get a good start here for us, but it wasn't to be. But um, I thought Edward today was actually not too bad. He wasn't the 10 out of 10 that he normally is, but some of his runs and his intelligent passing, you can notice it coming back. His form's coming back slowly but surely, but um, the layoff from covid we don't really know how that's affected him too much now. It's been a wee few weeks longer than expected, but it was super. I'll just get to see the big man on the pitch again. Like, I've missed him. He could have had a goal quite early on. Tony, yeah. in the ball was played through him, uh, 
decent bit of work. I think it was uh, it was Christie that played the ball through to him. Um, it was pretty much one on one with the goalie. Hits the goalie. Ball comes back to him again. He's got a second kind of crack attempt. Yeah, like getting one over the keeper. I felt she just like dinked it, but I see looking at the the replay. That I thought initially that he scuffed the the second chance, but it, it's actually a decent save for Joe Lewis. He's fully extended, man. He anticipates where it's going to go. It's it's not too bad for. Edward, but you know, like they, they said on on the tail of the day, if it's maybe th- three, four, five weeks in, you know, of him playing regular football, he probably does think that over him, doesn't he? Yeah, Joe has just done what he's had to do. He spread himself across the goal and made himself big. He's gave Edward really no chance of that there. It's, it's came on too quick, and he's just too smart, Joe, at that time. But Edward's in a few week time. He'll get sharper. He'll get fitter. And he'll get quicker, and that'll go in the back of the net next time. Scott, I think the only thing missing the day for Edward was was basically a goal. It was the only thing that was missing for his performance. I thought, yeah, as he linked to play up well, he did a couple of lovely touches. Uh, you just can see that class in him on the ball. He gets you higher up the pitch. Uh, so I think it's, we've got two, well, three great options up front. I think Griffiths now, I think Griffiths' role, uh, Tony's maybe saying about getting a start, but I think Griffiths' role is now for just coming off the bench. Uh, being that sort of impact man, I don't think Griffiths links to play as well uh, with Edward uh, maybe a wee bit better if he had a partner up front with Griffiths but if he's only going to be I think we're only going to go with the one up front yeah. uh, I think uh, Edward and are better options for us uh, in terms of linking that play and I think we're just a wee bit sharper and quicker uh, that's the added bonus you get out of Edward ahead of Ayeti that he's just got that wee bit extra pace and gets us higher up the pitch so we'll move on then to Tam Rogic. We, we touched on it there at the start, but we will talk more in detail about this guy because we've been... We've, I feel like we spoke about him on every podcast we've done since we started this and it always changes the story. It's always uh, Tam Rogic is out, he's leaving, he's done. Should we pay the money for him? Probably not if he's not going to get a game. Then he came back and we were like, brilliant, this is what we're going to see. The day I felt like this was Tam Rogic of old, man, I thought this was... What, what we've seen for him before, like you said, Scott, he's built for handing, he's built for, for playing Aberdeen. Um, the first goal from, from Christie, what a goal this is, but don't underestimate the, the part that Tam plays in this because they actually made a good point on, on the telly. I think it might have been, it was either Sutton or Michael Stewart made the point when they were talking about um, Rogic. They said, Tom Rogic is the kind of guy who doesn't, wait until he's done with the ball to give you it. He gives you the ball at the right time. And the ball that he played for Christie at this point just totally suckered that boy that was that was defending. Tony, what a finish, wasn't it? It was it was unbelievable. Like when the ball went in the net, I just there was no noise came out of my mouth for like two seconds. I was just stunned. It was a kind of carbon copy of James Forrest one against Aberdeen uh, a few weeks a few weeks ago. I think it was last season actually if we scored it. But um Honestly, the ball through from Rogic was weighted perfectly. It was done to perfection, and that's exactly what Tam brings to the team. Uh, and don't forget, by the way, this is the same guy Lowell wanted to let go for his bonus. Same fucking value, by the way, three million pound. This guy was about to get let go in the summer, therefore. He's crucial to the team. We've been saying this all season. You don't let talent like that go and not replace it. You couldn't replace Tom Rogic for three million pounds. There's no danger. He brings too much to the team, and the performances we came at his squad, He's just rejuvenated everything. It just shows you Scott done it. Everybody was saying, oh, sell, sell Rogic, bring in Turnbull. Where was Turnbull today? You know, he doesn't get on because you've got a player of Tam Rogic's quality in that squad. I'm glad that we all had, we were all got our brains screwed on and we all said at the time that Tom Rogic should never have went anywhere. And this is what he brings to the team. I mean, absolute caviar. Uh, and a big special shout out to both 
uh, Rogic and Christie uh, in this game. Obviously, I think that was definitely met in defensive Neil Lennon slightly that we have been missing. We are missing players and we're getting players up to speed. But the, the amount that Rogic and Christie give you in a game, just the fact that they go forward with the ball, Christie, I mean, as much as he's a bit of an enigma and he is a frustrating player, he takes chances. He, he, he goes forward with the ball, he'll take long shots and I three of them might go off target, but see if one ends up in the net like that one, it's worth it every time. Like absolutely you just there's no even point in Joe Lewis absolutely even diving for that. But a brilliant play from Rogic getting on the half turn. Uh, Aberdeen just didn't know how to do them. But also when I seen the Aberdeen team come through, uh, I was absolutely delighted. Derek McKinnis showing himself up to be an absolute jobber again because when he put his team out and he had all the attacking players on the pitch I was like this is going to suit us perfectly mm-hmm. because where we need, where we struggle is behind when players put 10 men behind the ball and that is going to be a big test for us to come uh, over the next few weeks uh, uh, in the league games and stuff but yeah they went quite attacking I thought this is going to suit us Moyle you know say Rogic Christie brilliant ball and uh, aye, absolutely unbelievable strike I'll stick with you then Scott for this one five minutes later we get our second goal Um Eddie has the ball, plays it out to, to Tam. It's, it's probably quite a poor ball that he plays it to him. It's a wee bit heavy. Tam does really well to get to it. He doesn't even need to look up. He knows exactly where he's putting the ball. He chips it back post, puts it across um, across the face of goal. Joe Lewis is scrambling, and there's El Unice back post. He's like a yard out. You know, it's, it's impossible for him to miss that one. How good was that ball for, for Tam? Oh, the way he digs it out, it's just unbelievable. You don't even think it's really possible. Because as you say, Edward, you think, right, we're on the attack here, and Edward, he doesn't play the greatest pass, and you think the kind of moves kind of thrown away for us. Uh, he does, as you say, he doesn't even look up. Straight to the back post. Uh, Considine's kind of sleeping. He should really get rid of it. Uh, and El Yunusi comes in. Uh, I was delighted for El Yunusi as well. He's really adding goals to his game. And it was sort of this period last season when we played Hibs in the Betfred Cup final, sort of uh, October, November time, where El Yunusi really came into his own we've finally we've got a system now that suits him because if we were going to play 3-5-2 I mean there's no point now you know being in the club because he's, he's not a striker he's not a secondary striker uh, I love the way that when he's on that wing as well the fact that he's on the left mid he's a left mid there but he's he's always constantly running and constantly looking for space so he gets in there at the back post the right hand side he's always taking a gamble uh, and gets there at the right time it's like a poacher's finish and showed a lot of bravery as well I thought I, I've been quite critical of more this season I thought he hasn't really turned up for the big game really an impact or a stamp on games but the past few games he's absolutely nailing it he is killing games off for us and he's been a massive big impact player for us he's doing superb the past month we um, discussed at the start of this game you know it was a I'm going to say shaky start I don't know if you can really call it that um, there's a couple of times Frimpong down that wing I, I think I said in the chat I was kind of making a bit of a joke about it to be fair but I think some people took me seriously when I said it um, Frimpong off El Hamadon right I was only actually kidding on when I said that because there was a couple of times when Matty Kennedy gets um, kind of the better of Frimpong twice down his side and puts two two decent balls in Sam Cosgrove probably fluffs the first one to be fair you know he gets mm. first to the ball gets his head to he probably should have done far better than putting it out for a corner um, I can't remember what the kind of outcome was for the the, the second one but I think so Frimpong we he looked a bit ropey at the start I thought it was going to be one of these games where 
I've been critical of his defending before. I think he's great going forward. I've been critical of his defending. Um, I think it's just his size at times. I think maybe lets him down, you know, if he's kind of jumping for the ball. But this game, man, I thought he grew into this massively. You know, as the game went on, he had them boys on toast on the right-hand side, didn't he, Tony? I generally, I just don't think for him, Paul's a right-back. I think, like you touched on there, his physicality of the game, his size, it just doesn't suit Scottish football. He's up against a Sam Cosgrove at six foot four, pushing off the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought when Elhanna came on, it pushed Frimpong up better, up top, to the right wing position. It's his natural ability to go forward. He loves it. He's a lovely wee guy. All credit to the wee boy. But <laughs> for me, he's just not a right back. He's too small, he's too slight. But he played well today. Scott, what's your view on that? Because obviously, it's easier for us to say he's not a right back. He's, he's probably not a right back. He's probably a right wing back. But um, it, it, does his defensive kind of work? Do you find that, I believe, it kind of suspected times or are we being too harsh on him? I think you're being too harsh. I think uh, even the period where we weren't performing our best, let's not, Frank Pong's been one of our best players this season. He is 19 as well, but I don't think he gets exposed uh, as much as you say. I think I'm quite happy to keep playing in this system uh, at right back. I think he gives you a lot, carrying the ball, gets you up the pitch. I mean, he's probably, a, he's probably the most fouled player. Uh, in the league, I don't offer stats and that, but it seems he just draws fouls for you every game. Uh, I've kind of said it before that I'm not A.L. Hamid's biggest fan. I think he was one of the reasons that we didn't get Champions League football. made that uh, error against Fenish Varos. I think I, when El Hamid's a good option, like today when he was brought on to the centre half, I think that's his role. I don't really rate uh, El Hamid much at, at right back. I think I'm quite happy to keep going with Fring Pong. I think where Fring Pong just needs to improve is his final ball and I think that'll come that'll come uh, just with more experience you need to forget Frank Pong's only played about maybe 30 professional matches probably in his career because he only started playing for his last season so yeah he will make mistakes at times but I think he's infectious he gives you a lot and he's pace and power and getting you up the pitch so yeah I'm quite happy, happy for Frank Pong. I think if we put El Hamid at right back and with James Forrest having surgery recently on his ankle I think if we put Frank Pong up at right wing or right mid That'll protect Shane Duffy as well because he won't be isolated so much with both wing backs bowling forward, leaving both centre backs exposed all the time. Because the only, the the only problem who, with that, who Tony, is I, that's the only problem. Who do you drop? Do you drop Christie because he played right wing today. You know he played it in the right today. Do you drop him for that? I, I wouldn't. You know I think I probably contradict myself a little bit saying this because I've just said that I don't think he's his defensive works the best, but. I would play Frimpong there because of what he can offer going forward. And if you kind of weigh that up against defensive work, it's probably a kind of worthwhile risk you take in a game. Um, whereas if you put El Hamid in, I think you lose a lot down that right-hand side for you know, for the benefit of defending when Frimpong can do an okay job. But I think you lose a lot going forward in that sense. We're going to be on top most games as well. We'll be on, we'll be on top most games as well. And I think Christy... Does a lot defensively. He's a great runner, Christy. He runs, he runs all day for you. Uh, and I'm quite liking him out there on that right wing at the moment. Uh, linking well the front. I think the front three and behind Edward were superb today. They all linked up really well. Really nice one-touch passing. Uh, and I don't know if that's Fring Pong's natural sort of play. You know, that way to link things up and do that. What He's quite a kind of ball carrier for you. Mm-hmm. I think you get that benefit of him um, at right back. And as you say, we control most games that we play. So I think I agree with Ryan. You're, you're maybe going to lose a wee bit of that if you bring in El Hamid. Right, okay, you've jammed me. 
Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> at least you're honest, mate. At least you're honest. Um, it's, 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 nah. So we get we get in the half time and two 0 up. It was a, a dominant first half display. You know, Aberdeen looked a, a shell of the team they were last week up at Petardry, as they always do. Like you say, Scott, they went far too attacking in this game, thinking we were there for the taking, and we've totally blown them away. Um, second half, it wasn't as good. The second half, um, we had a bit of debate about this one. Uh, for me, I was. I was more than happy with a second half. You know, the fitness, I think, things was a wee bit suspect for me at times. I thought we looked, I think, Scott, you made the point as well, we looked a little bit gassed as the the second half went on, man. But overall, I was I was delighted with this. I thought it was a, a calm, controlled, kind of professional performance. I was never I was never worried in the second half, although Aberdeen had a couple of wee flurries. That happens in football. You know, teams get chances. But overall, Tony, I wasn't, a, I wasn't too bothered about this second half for you. No, to be fair, I thought it was quite comfortable in the second half, even though I didn't have a lion's share of possession at times in the second half. But um, I must admit, it was just very reminiscent of the Lille game where the first half was electric. We were zipping the ball about the midfield. The tempo was quick. passing was quick. The movement was amazing. But in the second half, we just seemed to tie ourselves out a wee bit. And um, that's probably the fitness comes into play, where the 45 minutes were just so quick, so fast, so pacey that we just couldn't carry that over the 90 minutes and it just shows when Aberdeen start pressing you higher and going more attacking you just kind of get sucked in a wee bit too much and you start sitting in deeper naturally Scott, what you? I think to take, take the positives from it uh, I thought we were dead professional in seeing out the game and that's a thing that we've been asking for like we were 2-0 up we were, we were in control of that game so I sort of agree with you Ryan if it ends up being a bit of a snore fest in the second half then Albeit that's fine, we're tuning her up, we don't need to win, we don't need pressure high up the parts. So I liked that, I thought it was controlled, seeing out the game well. I thought Beaton uh, was a, was outstanding for us, but one hairy moment. I was thinking at half time actually, I was like, when's the last time Beaton's ever let us down? And then he nearly, sold, he nearly <laughs> sold a goal like two minutes later. But yeah, I think we now need to start normalising the fact that Beaton should be one of the first names in the team sheet at centre half. And I think there's still that reputation that Beaton's a wee bit dodgy uh, player at centre half. I think he took a wee while, to, but he's been to set with that position, but he has been playing it now for three years. So the positive aspects is, yep, seen the game out really comfortably, but there is a big difference between playing Aberdeen and Leo, and I think we did drop deeper in the second half, and I think that's totally a fitness issue we're in, in and I think the reason for that is we're in November now, eh, th- three months into the season, we still sort of look, we're in, we're in like pre-season mode, if, you, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, like Edward, obviously Rogic, uh, even Christy and Moy, like they've not played a lot of ninety minute minute games, uh, so they're all obviously Laxal. He's the same. He's still trying to get up to speed as well. So I think the more we spent three months basically fanning about with the team, fanning about with systems, trying to get the right team and balance. I think more you more you get a settled side, the more this more fitness will come. But yeah, that was a key concern that it was a sort of another sixty minute display and totally gassed ourselves. Aye, it's one of the ones where as much as people. People will say, you know, that this guy was, I think you just mentioned there, you know, um, Christy, Rogic, Eddie, uh, Laxal, you know, these kind of guys being, being unfit. You can kind of give them a little benefit of the doubt as well on this because that, people will automatically go, oh, they're going to slag off Lennon again for training, etc. These guys have been out for a, a good few weeks, whether it's injured or with like the COVID stuff as well. You know, we don't know, they were talking about, you know, when Edward had, had COVID and the reason he never came straight back in was because there was a few kind of respiratory issues with him that they wanted to kind of get tested before he properly came back in. So we don't know how that affects him 
guys like Beaton as well, who was out for a while. El Hamid was out for a while with that. Um, Christie was away for a couple of weeks, isolating because of that. So that that could be a, a bit on. Like you say, if we're playing the same formation for the next few games, we get a settled starting eleven. Um, hopefully it will it will come good. Tony Scott mentioned earlier about about Shane Duffy. I mentioned about Beaton uh, at centre half being one of the first names on the, the team sheet now at centre half. Um, we've been critical of of Shane Duffy. I think we are going to disagree. I think I'll probably disagree with both of you on this next point. I thought Shane Duffy was okay today. I thought for, in terms of what he's been since he came in, we all know that he's had his struggles when he's come in. He's not been he's not been convincing at all, but. He had a couple of kind of wee shaky moments today, but overall, you know, I was just happy to see if he was getting chased down with the ball, it was straight back to the goalie, there was no fancy stuff, he was booting the ball out, you know, just doing what I'm expecting my, my centre-half to do. But how did you see this game for him, Tony? To be honest, I want to be quite positive today because it's a good result. And um, I don't think there's any moments where I thought, generally, that's me, I'm done with this guy. Mm-hmm. I thought, largely for the piece, he was actually okay. There wasn't anything that really jumped out at me. I thought, that's completely the wrong decision you've done there or he's tried to he's almost sold the jerseys for us so for me I agree with you Ryan I'm going to be honest I didn't have an issue Shane Duffy at all day Scott what about you how do you think he played today? I'm happy from the, that he's got a clean sheet in that and uh, I thought he thought he was okay I think Sutton made the point in commentary that there is a couple of times where he tries to play a pass that he's, he's just not capable of doing uh, but I thought he cut that out I thought he was a lot better second half but still for me, I think Lennon was speaking about Ayer after the game and said Ayer's going to be back sooner rather than later, maybe by the end of the week or definitely after an international break anyway. Hopefully Julian's back by that point. You've got the pair of them fit and you've got beat on. For me, Duffy Duffy has to go to fourth choice in and a half, I think. I think we maybe both all agree on that. Uh, I think one if we get them back, uh, I would definitely play play Julian and I'd probably play Beaton uh, alongside him at the moment. But definitely between them three, and I think Duffy's your fourth choice. Take him out of the team for a bit. Uh, he will be needed at some point because injuries and stuff and what have you. Maybe even a guy to bring on last 10 minutes. like Steve, Instead of bringing on a Stephen Welsh and Leo, you can bring on a Shane Duffy when the ball's just going to get pumped into your box and you're needing a big guy to clear it like that. But yeah, happy for him that he's got the clean sheet. Uh, probably going to need to stick with him in the next couple of games. But if Julian and I are back, uh, I would take him out of the team. So Tony, give us your we'll do this again, twice in twice in one episode for you, mate. Give us your, your dud and your hero for this game, mate. So we'll start with your, your dud this time. What a pressure. Uh, to be honest, mate, I don't think there's actually a standout player that I thought was right rotten today. I thought everyone was actually quite over the course, about a six, seven, eight out of ten. So um just go with Andrew Dallas, he's a fucking idiot. Ah, he's a prick, but we're not know, him. Today, but just fucking Andrew Dallas, mate. Again, penalty to the Rangers. <laughs> so, I, thought he, I thought he did really well in the canty role and seen that game out for the man he was breaking up the play brilliantly wasn't he giving a lot of fouls away <laughs> it was amazing playing his, yeah. uh, playing his part like his dad um, was a bit more fucking cloaking dagging a bit more hidden but it's just stonewall blatant at your face you're like is he fucking for real today? I must admit, see, looking at our game as well, I thought Don Robertson had a howl holiday as well. I thought he was mince. Um, there was a few times you noticed Tom Morgan just laughing at his decisions, going, are you for fuck? Are you taking aye. this? Well, aye, that was the one when it t- Tom aye, Morgan was clearly brought down and he's like, Phil with Aberdeen, like, what? What about uh, Willie Colm and fucking Baldy Madden? I mean, you had, the fact you had two refs in that Hearts and Hibs game and they had three big penalty calls and they got all three of them wrong. So I've I I seen, um, seen Stephen McGowan on Twitter saying, has Willie Colm ever turned down a penalty claim? 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't think he has. I think he's just given. Yeah, he's pretty okay with the fucking cash them in. So he's <laughs> taking that. Exactly. So, um, Gage your hero then, Tony. Gage your hero. Uh, my hero is. I'm going to say Tom Rogic. You didn't see him there. I was going to leave this podcast. My dear. Nah, if that's a sense that your people was hovering over the leave button, so it's Tom Rogic for me, definitely. Staring right at him. Let's not suck him off and bummy spaces up. So continue, Mister Sutherland. Right. So we done a we done a wee poll then on on our Twitter account. Um, I put out saying, "Have we turned a corner?" So we've obviously been a wee bit critical in the past few weeks. Um, said, "Have we turned a corner?" For this one, uh, 47% said yes, 53% said the jury's still out. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think we've turned a, turned a corner, Scott? We'll start with you. Uh, I think last week we were dead reactionary, and I'm still in the, I'm still obviously in the, in the Lennon out camp. Like that uh, reaction to the last couple of performances and defeats, it didn't just come out of nowhere, it's been a build up throughout the whole season of just not performing well enough. Mm-hmm. and any time we go into sort any big game, I don't have much faith eh, in Neil Lennon when it comes to these big games, especially games against Rangers, which are going to be key to us to win 10 in a row. Beating teams like Aberdeen's never been a fault on Neil Lennon. We showed remarkable consistency last season. We won 20, I think we won 26 out of, out of 30 games that we played last season. So that's not a fault. That's not an issue for us. Obviously, 35 cup runs in a row. That was started with Rodgers. So that's the consistency there. There is small signs, I think, uh, in terms of the players, they're, they're definitely still fighting for them. They're still uh, playing for the jersey. I think last week we were obviously calling how could we, we still want Lennon out, but I think there is now a realism and an acceptance amongst the Celtic support that he's not going anywhere because that would take Peter Law to be a man and admit that he made the wrong decision in appointing him in the first place. I think regardless of what happens at the end of the season, I would get rid of him just for the European performances. Ferenc Faros, I think enough has been made about how much of a uh, cataclysmic failure that was. And but yeah, I think we've all accepted that Neil Lennon's going to be here uh, and the fans now need to, we now just need to try and get behind the team because it's massive for us. So yeah, there's slight positives in terms of turning corner, but time will tell. I mean, the next few games are still absolutely huge. Tony, Brian Kelly um, replied to the poll saying, I set myself up for the game today by listening to your latest podcast where you repeatedly called for the manager to be sacked and insulted the players. Looking forward to hear your next one. Um I was on last week, so <laughs> I am in Switzerland in a situation. I'm, I'll be in a Yeti. Don't pretend that you're Lennon in. Don't pretend you're Lennon in. I'm, I'm going to ask you anyway, because you went on that one. Because you went on that one, I'm going to ask you anyway. So, you know, Brian says that we, we repeatedly called for the manager to be sacked and insulted the players. Um, I replied to him and said, you know, at yeah, the time... No, I replied at the time and said, you know, when we recorded that, we had just come off of really, really bad performances that capped off a season so far of mediocre performances. So I don't think we were wrong to say that. I'm kind of like Scott. I would still like to see a change in manager just now because I, we played good against Leo and the players came out galvanised. We played really well today against Aberdeen. If that's the way it's going to keep going, then fine. You know, I'm delighted with that. If Lennon has somehow managed to get a rocket up these players' arses and, and powered them on, to, to these performances like you said he's been complaining about having players out injured he's not had these kind of best players available to him he's now got them back and we've seen that performance today so maybe he's right you know maybe he's right in that my my issue with with that I, I don't I don't feel like I want to trust him yet because it could so easily turn like that 
for us and we could just then go to a slippery slope regardless if he's got these players back. So what do you think? Are you, I know fine well that you would have agreed with us last week in the, the Lennon out camp after those two games, but do you see signs that, that Lennon can actually turn this around now? Well, I think it's, there's obviously positive signs there for the past two games. We are seeing just the team gelling a bit easier, getting the ball a bit quicker and players actually starting to look like they're on form. But I don't think it makes up for the lack of effort that's been put across this season so far. But see when you start getting people like Keith Jackson, Hugh Keevans, all the other fucking bullshit on the media, start to turn on Lennon, my back kind of goes up a wee bit. Mm. I start to defend them a bit more. I kind of get like, hmm, nah, hold on a minute, because you can see kind of what they're doing. And you've seen that in the press conference midweek, where Lennon came out saying, I've never seen a poll basically for a manager get a sack in October. Mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. So he is the best of a bad bunch we're going to get now because let's be honest, we're not going to get an Eddie Howe in. We're not going to pay the five million for all his staff to come and then in the process get with the Lennon Candy and Strachan. So we just need to get behind the team. We can't allow negativity to address them. Uh, even after watching uh, the last couple of Rangers games, I've not watched them much this season, but uh, if we lose this league to that mob, man, they should never allow to, to come out in Glasgow again. I think I think they're ranked rotten. All the days play the ball wide. Tavernier, Barisic, Andrew Dallas helps them at the day to get the win. All it takes is a stupid handball penalty for the Kilmarnock boy. Obviously, that's a tough place to go. So they are. I think there will be a title race there. They're more they're improved defensively. But yeah, the big test for me, I think we just need to keep winning as it is in the league. Hopefully, we've got two games against Prague to come. They're must win in terms of if we want to progress in the Europa League. But yeah, it's all leading up to that game uh, in January against Rangers when. Let's face it, they don't change the way they play against us. And Neil Lennon, I think he knows it's on him now to get this next couple of months, get a bit of form going, get a run going. And it's all building up to that game because there's no reason why we've we've still got the best players in this league. We have, we've got the best players. So there's no reason why we can't go on and win this league. And yeah, it's all building up for me for that game when we play them again at Ibrox. My, my issue is, is I still actually don't really have much faith in Lennon to do that because the last three games they've basically played us off the park, which should never have happened. Just, it all builds up to that game. If Lennon can prove in that game that he's got a system eh, or a tactic that beats them, then he's probably on the right to keep his corn. My, my issue is I don't know if I, if I actually have that faith in him to do that. Right, so boys, that was a more upbeat podcast for us this week um, what have we got coming up then so we've got Sparta Prague on, on Thursday uh, at home so that'll be a, an interesting one and then is it Motherwell away next Sunday we've got um, how do you see those two going you know we'll do a, we'll do a review show after the Motherwell game on them ones but just kind of looking ahead to them Tony how do you see the, the Prague game going there was a lot of talk about that one being you know a must win for the next two to have any chance and that, that group you know we need to win both of these games to stand the chance to get out of the group. How do you see it going against seven Thursday? It's definitely a six-pointer. We need to beat them home and away. Um, Leo beat them 3-1. And from the performance we've seen against Leo, I think we should be handling it keep enough to beat them. Um, we're kind of looking for a three favour of AC Milan to beat Leo as well, keep our dreams alive in the group. But for me, I hope they've chucked it. I hope they've gone right. Europe League, not for us this year. And we just go over there and just do the job. And Scott, then on Sunday, we've got Motherwell away. They've um, they've had a bit of form. Motherwell, I've seen a lot of people talking about them. Um, the the game last week, saying that Tony Watt apparently looked like he was in inspired form. Do you have any fear 
going away to Motherwell just now at this point in the season when they seem to be hitting this bit of form? I don't, I don't actually have much fear. I think, I think you are right. They are hitting a wee bit of form and they, they're picking up, picking up a lot of wins. But uh, I think playing a team like Motherwell will suit us because any previous times we went to Fur Park, I think we won four 0 four 0 and five two. I think it was last season. They, they are quite attack minded. They open up against us quite a lot. Even when they, they played Rangers last month, I think Rangers end up beating them five one because they come out and they have a wee bit of a goal. And I think that will suit us. Uh, I think we just we just need to keep playing the same the same eleven that basically started today, unless Ayer or Julian. I don't think they'll be back if they're back. You bring one of them in, keep the same eleven that played today on Thursday, play the same eleven on Sunday, uh, get the next two ones that we desperately need, and then just hope nobody gets COVID when fucking next international break comes in. Well, see on that, I seen a, a thing today. Apparently, Celtic have inquired about chartering flights for some of the kind of main players. Are going to be on international duty this time, uh, like Edward Barkas, because obviously I had to send a, a charter flight for Barkas last time to bring him back um, from international duty. They're apparently kind of looking into doing that. Um, I think we called before about international football and saying I don't think it should be happening at this, this day and age because these players are mixing. Um, see if you're able to do that, though, Tony. I'm, I'm fucking delighted with that. That shows that they've just gone, do you know what? We need to do something to. To risk us, we've got plenty of money in the bank. You know, don't listen to me to say about your your tax returns or your profits that they're talking about. The now, so all that's a great thing on table to go right. Fuck it, we're doing this. We we can't risk this season anymore. Mm-hmm. Private flight view, private flight view. That's it's what it should be right now. Because like I said, they can't be mixing with X Y Z hundred people in the airport and then go to all these other players and meet all these. It's it shouldn't be happening. Full stop. But it is what it is now. But how we are so. A private plane, I fucking do it. Edward deserves it anyway. That'd be class, wouldn't it? Right, boys. Give me his own gold jet, I don't care. <laughs> He's probably got his own anyway. Uh, right, boys, I will see you next week. We'll review those two games. So, Tony, see you later on, mate. Gotcha. Scott. See you later. Just want to give Tony a wee happy birthday shout out, by the way. Happy birthday. Oh, oh fuck it. It's that Tony's birthday, wasn't it? Oh, what is oh, he you know? Now? 36. I look 26, mate, but sadly it's 27. Moisturizer has not been good to me these years. Happy birthday, anyway, Tony, mate. I hope you had a good one this weekend in your partial lockdown. It was good, mate. I went to my favourite restaurant, had a few pubs, and I went to the garage after it. Oh, no, wait, no, I didn't. I sat in the house and had the cake. Did you just look at them? Just look at them outside. Well, I'll look at that. That's the garage. That's not bad. Right, him. It was the SO garage, but I'll start the fucking. Right, boys, catch you later on. See you later.